welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it. Whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content, you can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge, my host this week, like I am every week. And, uh, and I'm joined by a man who's starting to find national championships a bit passe, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm never tired of national championships. They're never not fun. I am tired of, uh, I am tired of not being able to give proper Twitter uh, headspace, Twitter Twitter header etiquette to some of these folks. They work hard all season uh, just to, to have, for instance, rowing, to have their their, their moment in the sun for a, a mere week. Uh, apologies to, to these schools, but we do have a, a, an ironclad policy of the latest national championship op- occupies our space. No, Gerald, it's... Um, it's natty season. It's spring. Texas can't can't get enough of them. I mean, it seems like just a few days ago we were changing our header image because Texas won a national championship, and lo and behold, we are preparing. As soon as the AP photos drop, we will be uploading another header photo because the Texas Longhorns, after a 10-year hiatus, sit atop of the NCAA golf world with a 3-2 win over the Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, it was a little bit of a um, a tight one at the end. It took a Travis Vick two putt on uh, 18 to get it in. There was actually a uh, Mason Noman and um, Puig went to the 19th hole and, and Arizona State actually won that one. But Travis Vick was uh, had a two putt shot. Vick had a two shot. Vick had a two putt opportunity to uh, win this one, and his first putt was close enough for Arizona State to concede the hole, and that was all she wrote. That makes now three spring national championships for the Longhorns with women's tennis, with rowing, the aforementioned rowing that we just changed the header for four days ago, and now men's golf with potentially two to three more on the plate. Texas has legit shots at both track and field in the men and women. And they may mess around and win a baseball or softball national championship if things get froggy and they keep overachieving. That's right. This is Texas's fourth national championship of the year, I believe 62nd ever. Um, but fourth of the year ties their all-time record uh, for in a, in a school year. The uh, NCAA record is Stanford with six. So there's legitimately meat on the bone where they could challenge that and, and even get frisky uh, if they can get both track ones uh, and, and one of the uh, diamond sports. Um, no, it, it, I mean, just incredible, right? Like um, we've had some individual national champions as well, like in the past week um, in, in tennis. Um, poor, I hate to say poor, but Parker Cootie, who'd just been on fire uh, moving into the top 15 um, in the, in the tour rankings and getting, you know, a professional invite because of it. But he, he went to the sudden death playoff for the, uh, the individual uh, national championship and ended up losing in, in a playoff hole uh, for that. And then came in and went one uh, six and five, I think, um, which yeah. is, which is 
utterly domination. That means he was up by six with with only five holes left. Um, so they they you know they they have to concede. Um, but yeah, just just dominated in his uh, both Cootie scoring was was a nice way to to end a really great career for those guys. And then I mean we are we are part of the Bucket Hat Brigade. Um, we have we stand for our Bucket Hat Kings. Uh, Travis Vick, who's really been channeling um, early stage Miles Turner all year with the uh, the Bucket Hat to protect the pigment, and uh, just just love it, love the look, love the aesthetic, um, love that the Bucket Hat gave us the uh, the championship. I, I mean, this is the second time ever a school's won the Masters and a, uh, had an alumni, I guess, win the Masters and uh, active win the the national championship in golf. That they, they've just been. Uh, the epicenter. 2019 was a heartbreaker, right? To to lose to Stanford, and then they lost 2016 as well. But 2019 heartbreaker, and then you don't get a chance to to try to get it back in in 20 with COVID, and they just kind of were shambles in 21. So a, a great redemption for all those seniors. Just a really um, really gutsy performance for a team that didn't have either Cootie for this entire spring season, basically until the the very end. They got them both back. So um, everything came together, just like we we hoped in our best case scenario that it would yeah this was a team that really felt like natty or bust to start the year and it was shaky in some moments but i think um their texas did what they needed to do and, and once you get to match play it's just kind of a you know all you got to do is win by one hole you got a par 17 of them and birdie one and that's kind of what it turned out to be in some of these situations now travis big vic had to battle back a little bit. There were some blown leads, but when push comes to shove, Texas stands on top of the NCAA golf world uh, after upsetting uh, the number one team in the country yesterday to earn this spot, Vanderbilt. They now, uh, again, are in the position where they were 10 years ago, and and now that's the second uh, in the last decade. And well uh, well earned. Hopefully more to come for Coach Fields, who... Uh, after losing two in the past five years, basically uh, six years, uh, it is it is worthwhile for him to get that sweet taste of victory again. I'm going to take all the the blame for this, but it's been a minute since we had the the third leg of the tripod on the the third member of the triumvirate, Mike Roach, good friend of ours, friend of the show. Um, on to talk a little bit of recruiting. I think it's been since National Signing Day, and so I, I will take fully the blame for that. But Mike is back. Made some time skipping playoff hockey to hang out with us. Mike, thank you so much, my friend. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, fellas. How are y'all? I'm fantastic. I do uh, feel like we need you here to sharpen Gerald a bit. He missed the ugh in Troika. Um, Mike, the, the – no, it doesn't work. Uh, but, no, we're, we're excited to uh, to have you on here. We always feel whole when we have uh, some roach time. And uh, just excited to see you, man. You're looking good. Thanks. I, I – feel like I don't, but I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> oh, how do you follow that up? My goodness. Uh, well, let's just jump it's, in. Well, it's always hard because you, you can't be like, yeah, I look great. Thanks. And then <laughs> I'm kind of looking at myself in the Zoom like, oh, man, I probably should brush my hair. Like, you know, I've been sitting around the house all day. And, oh, it's, you know. it's, the, it's the hockey t-shirt, right? I think it just yeah. it, it, it imbues a... Go uh, Stars. A, there you go. It imbues a certain... Uh, Genesequa, the best of Kevin Smith. Got the you got the playoff beard going. You got everything. I think it, I I'm digging it. I think it works for you, Mike. So let's let's just jump in and, and 
get to it. It's it's June. It's uh, it's June second when you're listening to this, and so that's it's the time for visits. It's the time for visitors. The folks that are going to be making early decisions are trying to get their OVs out during the summer. And and Mike, you've done extensive previewing of all of the summer visitors. So if you want to read that, go over to, to Horns Two Four Seven and uh, check it out. But Mike, we'd love to hear from you just a little bit. If you had to pick two or three folks to really keep an eye on during this June visit period, uh, that'll that'll be kind of a um, an indicator for the success of, of the recruiting class or potentially just the success of this like summer period. Who are you, who are you, who are your eyes on? Oh, should we put a, is this the non arch Manning category? Yeah. We'll, we'll leave the arch for the next one. <laughs> yeah, Not named I mean, arch Manning. Obviously arch Manning. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, big names coming in. Um, it's tough because since these summer visits have started, it's like, the kids are the. I'll tell you, the summer is probably the most miserable time of my job because it's. You feel like you're uh, you're waiting. These kids will say, "Well, I'm going to commit in the summer," and then I'm going to put. Well, the, no, now I'm going to push it back, and then they'll just do it by surprise. So you feel like you're just always on alert for something. I'm always tense. I'm always waiting for for something to drop. Um, so uh, you know, from that standpoint, it's like it's hard to pin down exactly who is going to commit when they say they're going to commit. Um, I think if you're looking for guys this summer to keep an eye on, um, and I don't know if this was exactly your question, but guys that I think could go in their favor um, that are visiting this summer, I think you got to start with Jordan Matthews, the corner out of uh, Baton Rouge with Lon. Uh, I think Texas has just done a tremendous job running out in front of that recruitment. They um, were able to take advantage of the coaching change at LSU. Um, and they've just really done a great job prioritizing him, making him feel like he's the guy for them. Uh, like Texas is a place he can develop. He's got a great relationship with Terry Joseph. Um, he's been to Austin multiple times and will be visiting again uh, this summer at some point. So he's a guy I would say for sure. Uh, keep an eye on. Uh, there's a group of offensive linemen. Um, probably, you know, all in the mix, Texas is really high in the mix for, uh, whether that be Connor Stroh or Ian Reed or uh, Jaden Chapman or Andre Kojo, you know, those guys all for sure. And then, you know, one guy that I think Texas really has a chance to make a statement with and, and make a move with who I've been extremely impressed with during the spring is Darian Gallette, uh, the linebacker from Marlin. I think, I, I saw him during the season and was kind of, eh, you know, iffy on him and uh, didn't really know what to think of him. And he was largely playing out of position and, um, and that sort of thing. But man, this spring, he has like gone nuts in track and field um, doing things that like six two two twenty you shouldn't be able to do running damn near uh, sub 11 hundreds running anchor on our state four by one four by two um, and then also through shot put at state like he's just and then his basketball footage is insane I mean they had some highlight real like transition alley-oops where he's just finishing off one leg and like punching it at the rim so a lot of explosive ability you can see from all those things he, he'll be visiting last weekend of june and i don't know that texas can necessarily like close the deal that weekend but i think they have a chance to come out of the month of june as a leader in his recruitment and i think that would be a huge development not only for the level of player he is but for you know the, the massive need they have at the linebacker position 
Yeah, I love in the age of specialization a kid who uh, who still plays and excels at multiple sports. Also, Gerald and I have long said uh, any any field uh, athlete who does a, a shot or disc uh, and then also runs fast is instantly a, a favorite of this podcast. Um, but keeping it on, I guess, two sports stars, I've seen basketball tape on him. We, we can't talk about summer visits without the big one. I mean... It, it, Mike, you you have a unique perspective. You've gone down a couple times and seen Arch. You've you've uh, obviously, as, as anyone in your job, must covered him uh, quite a bit. So um, don't feel you need to reinvent the wheel. I think we're all familiar with him, but the timing seems, you know, for Texas fans, like we're we're at least in a good spot. Um, any any light you want to shine on on what's going on with Arch and what to expect over the next couple of weeks? When you said reinvent the wheel, I just had this a vision of like uh, me explaining Arch Manning to aliens. <laughs> like if you came here and be like, so long time, you know, there was this once they created this sport called football and then, you know, they, and then there's this guy named Archie Manning. And then he had these kids named Peyton and, and Eli, and there's this other kid named Cooper that nobody. Did. So, um, yeah, uh, I think everybody knows who Archie Manning is. Um, yeah. I think it's like, it's hard to say because I think the biggest like kind of curveball in this recruitment for me is that there have been no curveballs. It's like, I'm just used to the certain flow of a recruitment and it's like, okay, I'm waiting for the, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. That changes my perception wildly on this. And it just hasn't happened yet. And that's through many arch visits uh, to Texas, to Georgia, to Alabama. That's through uh, three times me going to new Orleans to see him in person, um, which is the only way you could talk to him, by the way, is if you go see him in person, um, which is why I spent a lot of time going back and forth to new Orleans. I'm just like kind of waiting for this thing to get weird. And I don't think it's going to get weird. I think it's going to kind of play out the way everybody thinks it's going to play out, which um, we've thought for basically a year now, this thing's probably going to come down to Texas and Georgia. As we head into the summer, this thing's probably going to come down to Texas and Georgia. Alabama was always in it. Um, They were always, you know, you can never really count Alabama out of a, a recruitment. But it always felt from talking to people like they were running third out of those three. Hmm. Um, and, and it's kind of been a back and forth between Texas and Georgia. Alabama taking Eli Holstein probably, you know, I don't don't want to say anything for certain in recruiting, but probably takes them out of that race. Um, and so, you know, I think it's just going to – I don't know that anything big is going to happen on those visit weekends. I know talking to Arch when I saw him a couple of weeks ago, he just said – I said, hey, like, you know, so you've been to these places a million times. What is the official visit going to show you that you haven't seen? And he was just saying, you know, he wanted to ask the really hard questions and make coaches answer the questions that they normally wouldn't have to answer on a recruiting trip or talk about mm. things they wouldn't normally have to talk about. So, I mean, you know, I think some of that could probably be, hey, Texas, what's the deal with you guys going five and seven? Right. Um, you know, that, that question probably remains. But, you know, I think – Arch has said to me several times, if I knew where I wanted to commit, I would be committed already. And I think that that speaks for Georgia. I think if he knew for sure he wanted to go to Georgia, he'd be committed to Georgia already. I think that I, I mean, I've kind of said for a year now, I think Texas is, if not the leader, you know, a leader in this recruitment. Now that we're down to, essentially two schools, I think they're the leader by a slight edge. I mean, I think they just are. I think that A.J. Milwee's done an incredible job with that relationship and that recruitment. I think his his appreciation for Sark and the offense they run 
And most importantly, I think he loves Austin. You know, there's some kids that just, they vibe with Austin. I think for, for Arch, that's him. You know I mean? He, he looks at it and is like, this isn't that far from being in uptown new Orleans. So, um, you know, all those things coming together, I think as long as Texas keeps running the race, they've been running. If they don't, you know, I think the worst thing they could do is switch it up and try to go big or something in an effort to close him. I think this thing is headed towards the finish line. If they keep running the race they've been running, they should win him. And if they win him, you know, you're talking about a class that could really take off, you know, just with the guys that want to want to be attached to that. So, you know, we've, we've kind of talked on our podcast. It's a state of recruiting comes out every Friday uh, and you can find that on iTunes under the Horns 24 seven network. We've talked a lot about it on our podcast that like this, I mean, when we're talking class ceilings, we're discussing a with arch and a without arch scenario because they're, they do matter in this case. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think Texas is just, I think they've done a great job. I think that they just got to keep running that race that they've been running. The question I have with that, Mike, is it always seems like there are a couple of guys in every class that like, we're a package deal. We're going to go, we're going to be together. We're going to play together. And then they end up going to schools on opposite coasts. It seems like, so like how legit would you say is like the arch manning effect for Texas in this class? Like are the, are the kids that are saying, I want to play with arch. Like, is that going to be a legit deciding factor for them? I think that when you talk about package deals, that's one thing. I think when you talk about a player with the name power of arch manning, it's another deal completely. And I think, like a good example, like a good example of this is kind of what we saw at AM last year. Like when kids see things going one way, they tend mm-hmm. to want to jump on and be a part of that. You know, AM was able to because they stacked big names early on, they were able. I mean, Evan Stewart told me like this was where I was going because I knew they were going to be the number one class and I wanted to be part of the number one class. So um, you know, I think it gets to a point where if it was just some other quarterback, maybe not. But it being a Manning and the kind of clout that Arch Manning brings, I do believe that there will be an effect. There are guys looking at Texas that would no shot be looking at Texas if Arch Manning wasn't involved. And so, um, you know, I think that when you talk about package deals, that gets overrated a lot. And it's something that I never really put a whole whole bunch of stock into. Uh, but, But in this particular case, I think that there is a very high ceiling for what, you know, he could bring to kind of join him there. So uh, Texas has some some of those skill positions. There's there's uh, some really interesting names. Um, is there uh, anyone? Obviously, you have Jonte Cook. You have Great House. You just have some some players who can do some special things. Is there anyone um, fans should be should be watching, keeping an eye on? Yeah, I think um, if you want to name like so, we haven't uh, since last we've talked. Texas got a couple mm-hmm. commitments. I think one that. I wouldn't say it went under the radar, but like people don't talk about it enough. Like Ryan Niblett is a insane athlete when I was, so it was weird because Niblett basically like had Texas out of his top group. They were, they looked dead in his recruitment. Brennan Marion was able to kind of pick things up during the spring. And then, uh, you know, we went down there to Houston and literally like in the span of a week saw Niblett on Monday, saw him again on Thursday at his track meet saw him again at the Texas spring game on Saturday. And then he committed that night. So I got a, I got a whole lot of Ryan Niblett in my life that week, but like saw him on Monday at his football practice, went to his track meet on Thursday where he swept gold in the four events he ran in 100, 200, four by one and four by two. And then 
you know, committed. I think he is the type of guy Texas has been missing from a, you know, elite explosion and, and big playability aspect. And, and for them to kind of turn that recruitment around so quickly and get an early commitment from him was huge. So I think when you look at what the receiver position could bring, um, there's a lot of options out there. You know, I, 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 I've silly me. Um, I banked on these kids to not do anything rash or, or like, uh, not rash, but, uh, not be, uh, unpredictable. And I've been talking a lot about how Texas has been making a lot of ground for Deandre Moore and, and he was got to watch during the summer and then he commits to Louisville today. Um, so, uh, you know, those kind of things happen, but still you talk about Jonte cook, Jaquez Petaway, Jaden Greathouse, Jonah Wilson, Kyle Parker, if he's in there, uh, Jaden Brown, Jalen Brown out in Miami, who I think is going to give Texas an official visit. Who's another elite elite speed guy. There's a lot of options. I think I would say they're in a pretty good position with guys like cook and, and Petaway, um and Wilson and and you know we'll see kind of how things shake out with Notre Dame and Great House but yeah I think um for as bad as they recruited at receiver last year uh it has a chance to be their strongest group this year and this it's a really strong just in-state crop of receivers this year so if there's a year for Texas to do a big at receiver this feels like the one yeah and I think <laughs> we've talked about it a little but it can't be understated how big those hires were in the offseason of Brendan Mary and, and Tashard Choice. There, it's just like there's like almost new life into the program. I mean, those two guys have enough juice alone that like kids are like, whoa, when they get there, you know. And I think uh, not to say Stan Drayton was, you know, Stan Drayton got a head coaching job. It's not like he was fired or, or moved yeah. on. You know, I mean, Stan Drayton would still be here most likely, if not for that. But you know, he was an older guy. He was he was a little more quiet. Andre Coleman, the same way. These guys are kind of, uh, you know, not made. I wouldn't say it was stale, but it was certainly like a you know a way people expected it to be at Texas. And those two guys have really turned it around. So um, you know, kudos to both of them. Huge, huge Brennan Marion uh, fans here on on this one and, and Coach Choice. Uh, what a what what a what a pair. Um, we had. More than a pair. We had a few, uh, maybe a dozen new recruits from the 22 class show up this week on campus. Um, you know, there's the obvious big, big guys, the, the five-star offensive linemen um, who, who have a chance to come in. But any any players now on campus that uh, maybe people aren't talking about or could see production in their first couple of years? Yeah, I mean, there's the obvious guys. Uh, DJ Cam. Like, people ask me who's going to play early. I'm like, DJ Gamble. That's my answer for everything. Um <laughs> You could ask me like what time it is, and the answer would be DJ Campbell. DJ Campbell time. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just he's my answer for everything. He's the best player in the class. He's the most ready to play in the class. All those things. He checks every box. Um, I told somebody today. I said I'm just I'm fine and dandy going down with the ship. Uh, that DJ Campbell is one of the finest offensive linemen I've ever seen in my life. So wow. um, if if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But uh, I, I think extremely highly of that young man. I'm trying to think. I think a guy that. It's going to be tough with the additions Texas has been able to make in the portal at receiver. But I think a guy to watch is Savion Red, um, hmm. who didn't have a lot of hype, uh, flipping him from SMU late. Uh, Savion Red plays at Grand Prairie High School. And I don't know how familiar you guys are with Grand Prairie, where the, the you know, uh, I believe their logo is the, the name says it all. Um, 
I, I so Grand Prairie. I'm from Irving. Grand Prairie is just south of Irving, so uh, I'm extremely familiar. Grand Prairie. Grand Prairie is a traditionally bad program, like awful year in and year out, pretty much. I mean, in my entire life, the only time Grand Prairie has ever been good was when they had Rhett Bomar at quarterback, mm-hmm. um, and even then they weren't that good. So um, <laughs> I say all this to say. Saving Red drug an awful Grand Prairie team to the playoffs by himself uh, last year. And I've got a, one of my best friends coaches at South Grand Prairie, and I asked him, I said, how legit do you think he is? And he said, um, if he'd have been on our team, we'd still be playing. And if wow. he wasn't on Grand Prairie, they'd have gone 0-10. Like wow. he's, he was that much of a difference maker. Um, and so I think, you know, people – he was kind of viewed as like a, well, we lost this guy. We lost that guy. We had to take this guy, but he's a guy that if you watch him on film and you watch him in game, he's so good in the open field. When you get him the ball, if they can find a role for him, I think he's a guy that could maybe surprise. He's a guy, I guess I'll go out (laughs) on a limb and say, uh, it's say I'll play my flag on, on saving red. And you know, He's a little um, – I'm not going to say he's a bad kid, but he's uh, he comes from a rougher part of town. And uh, as one source at Texas told me when I asked about him, you know, sometimes you got to have a couple of those apartment kids on the on the team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love that verbiage. It's, it's the same reason why – one of the reasons why I'm banging the, the J-Mon tap drum. Like, Texas needs more kids – Texas needs more kids with gold fronts and <laughs> attitude problems. Like, that's what Texas needs. I – I was talking over with somebody today a scenario in which Shimon Tap and uh, Savian Red are now next door neighbors in the dorm, and they're <laughs> they're running the entire hall. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I don't know. I, I feel like that that like wraps up the formal portion of the podcast. Really, we bring you on for the for the second portion of the podcast because we say this every time you're on mike roach spawned a whole new segment on our podcast the godzilla tron we're just talking about what we're watching and reading and streaming and whatever so mike what are you watching right now what's 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 your what's your recommendations it was during covid right didn't we that's kind of we got into it because everybody was bored and needed and i and on our podcast i always said hey what are you guys watching hoping that if we had a guest on they would say something and our listeners would be like oh i haven't checked that out maybe i need to go check that out so yeah i think we just got into talking about it and i i'm like the weirdest tv viewer in the world like sometimes (laughs) i'm watching what's hot and sometimes i'm watching old episodes of the real world so um i've got a little mix of everything for you boys today um I'm watching a lot of NHL right now. I'm going to mm-hmm. use this this 30 seconds to tell everybody. I, if, even if you don't like hockey, and I get it, I'm trying to grow the game. I'm out here. The <laughs> NHL should pay me. I'm trying to grow the game. <laughs> Honor McDavid is a religious experience, and he's carried the Edmonton Oilers into the Western Conference Finals against the Colorado Avalanche. This game features four of the top 10 players in the league in this series. I mean, it is a banger of a series. Just give it a chance. I, I promise you'll be – look, we started this – the first period ended when we started this podcast. People say they don't like hockey because it's not scoring. It's 5-3 to three in the second period just started. So they're lighting the lamps over there, okay? So uh, check that out. Um, if you want my version of I've been going and watching really old TV shows that no one remembers, um, I weirdly got on like the – do you guys remember the, the WWF reality show Tough Enough? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I decided, you know, never watch that. I'll give that a try. <laughs> and uh, watched all six seasons of that. Um, 
if you want something new, uh, we own this city on HBO is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, the book is is equally incredible. Uh, I think John Barenthal's awesome. Uh, anything that David Simon wants to do about Baltimore, I'm in on. Um, and, and so basically, if you love The Wire, you'll love We Own This City. Um, my wife's watching a lot of Selling Sunset, um, if that floats your boat. Uh, what else have I been watching? I've been like, so I never was a Curb guy, like never watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. So yeah. I, I started it. Um Thought I would hate it, kind of hated it halfway through the first season. And now, like, I'm in season four and I find myself laughing a lot. Um, so I'm a curb guy now, I would say. I love it. It just gets better. It's it's one of those things when you watch the first season again, whenever you go back on a rewatch and you understand Larry's cadence and, like, the anti-humor of it all and the cringe, like, uh, even the first season, it gets better each time. But, like, you have to... You have to pick up the Larry of it all. It's it's one of my favorite shows, and and I can put on any episode, and I promise I will like double over at some point laughing on each subsequent rewatch. So the thing I love about Curb that I've learned, and I would say that there are some episodes that are missed for me, but the episodes that hit are like some of the funniest TV I've ever watched. The thing that I love about it is like every little detail matters. Yeah, um, and so like. If something happens that you think in a normal television show would be a throwaway part in the first two minutes, you know that that's going to come back around. Yep. Like Larry sneezes on a waiter or something uh-huh. in the in the opening of the episode. You know by the end of the episode that's coming back around somewhere. Um, so I love that. I love that aspect of it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, like we're watching uh, right now, I... I my wife's got it paused because I've been two screening the NHL playoffs. And so that she doesn't have to watch hockey all the time. Um, we've been, we've been going back and watching old uh, Anthony Bourdain nice. uh, and no reservations episodes. So um, that's been really, really fun too. I'm trying to think, I thought there was one more. Right. Mike, are you got, if you're, if you're an Anthony Bourdain fan, are you a somebody feed Phil fan? Have you, have you caught that one? I have not. I am a, um, I don't know. Can we cuss on this? But I am an F that's delicious fan. Oh yeah. Jackson Bronson. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But I have not seen somebody feed Phil. It completely opposite uh, spirit animals. If, if Phil is a, is a delightful hamster in a cage and act, then that means action Bronson is the like tiger that got out at the zoo. And, and, and that's fine. Like they are very different shows, but um, Phil is the creator of everybody loves Raymond and so it's like this kind of, you know, cheesy, like a Larry David episode, like kind of older school humor, but he's just the most adorable, like lovable, genuinely good wholesome. humans. Yeah, exactly. Where can I find this? Netflix. Netflix. It's a Netflix show? Okay. They just came out with the latest season this week. Okay. I When you said, um, what is it called? Somebody Feed Phil. Somebody Feed Phil. Were you guys Fever LeBan fans? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So when you said it, all I thought was the <laughs> "Don't Feed Phil" campaign that they did on, on Viva La Bam. Oh man, that is a pop culture reference that had absolutely escaped my brain. I would have never brought it back had you not done that, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> it's like, does Phil Marjera? I think Phil Marjera is dead, actually. But I was like, does Phil Marjera have a show that I don't know about? Um, oh, I also saw Top Gun too. Oh, nice. I've heard good things. Okay. It's uh, let me let me give you the pitch. 
Okay. Don't go in there expecting an Academy Award winning movie. It's a popcorn movie. It's going to, it does a lot of callbacks to the first one. Probably too many. Like I was like, okay, we get it. <laughs> there was a, there was an original version of this in the eighties. I get it. But I mean, it's still is pretty awesome. It rolled pretty hard. So I would definitely say, uh, go see that as well. Anything new for that I should, uh, outside of uh, somebody feed Phil or please feed Phil? Gerald, do you have any? I, last week I banged the drum on my, or uh, I guess not banged the drum. I, uh, I, I did my Godzilla segment on We Own This City. I'm excited for the final yep. on that. Uh, doing a Downton Abbey rewatch right now because I'm going to, uh, going to visit London this summer. For the fir- first time ever, so, uh, you know, trying to get the spirit. <laughs> that's right, that's right. With, Pinky's uh, out. With the Tejas, the Tejas Club, we are we are meeting over in London, so uh, pretty stoked for that. My wife's a big Downton fan, and I'm not. Um, so that's like her, when I'm gone on the weekends, she's yeah. just like, I lay around and watch Downton. And like, I, so she goes, like, one of my wife's favorite things to do is, I don't know how you guys feel about this, she goes to the movies alone. She says it's awesome. I've never done hmm. it. the Don um, Draper method. Yeah. yeah, and so like she, um, like when she first moved to Texas, she didn't know anybody, and so she would just like on the weekend she would just go to the movie. She like I want to go see a movie, and she's like it's awesome. You don't have to worry about anybody else. You stretch out. You just have your alone time, all that. And so like when I'm gone on the weekends, she'll go to the movies. And so um, I, I had to call her the other day and tell her, hey, I saw this new Downton movies coming out. Please go see it on one of your alone trips uh, <laughs> so i don't have to i love, I it. love it i i used to be weird about going to the movies by myself and then i moved somewhere where i didn't know anybody and i was like either i gotta get over this or i gotta make some friends it so, feels like a weird move i've never done it still she keeps telling me to and i'm like i just i, I can't i have not either i i was introduced to my fa- one of my favorite movies the raid if you've never seen it watch it it's great but uh, I watched it. I saw it by myself at a movie theater. It was a great experience. It was me and one other person because it's a foreign martial arts film, but it was, it was a good time. <laughs> but Mike, Mike people, people that follow us obviously follow you. Follow you. It was like, like to end it this way. Where, where can folks find you on the internet if they want some more what you got to offer? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Mike Roach247. Instagram, I do things on there from time to time. I'm trying to supposed to be growing my Instagram. I think it's I have two Instagrams. I have a private one and I have a, a work one. Uh, my private one or my work one is Mike one Mike underscore Roach two four seven. So check that out. Um, and then uh, the State of Recruiting podcast. You can find us on YouTube or the uh, Horns twenty four seven Network of podcasts. Um, and always on the Horns twenty four seven message board. Mike, thank you so much. Get back to hockey, my friend. All right, we'll do, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Been too long. We'll do it again soon. Always hard to follow up a Mike Roach interview, Gerald. Let's take a look now at the world through burnt orange lenses. We have some uh, some comings, some goings, uh, some some timings, some 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 items to to hit here in the world of Longhorn Landia, uh, Gerald. An interesting one that I think you and I predicted, but it is now officially official. Um, Dylan Disu, a player who announced uh, his return with photos of him uh, as a as a young lad in Longhorn gear, which you know it always bodes well for both the fan appreciation and a breakout year. Uh, announced he's withdrawing his name from the NBA draft uh, by June first was the deadline to do so. We kind of expected uh, that he still had some things to prove. I think he has a really 
great chance to be a breakout player with his size, with his athleticism, his ability to block shots. Um, in theory, his ability to rebound we've seen in the past, but uh, now hopefully fully healthy from the injury that held him out for a while. Uh, last year, Dylan Dissu will be rejoining the Horns. This is, again, another major addition, and I think it seemed like Texas was not as active on the portal as most anticipated them to be this offseason. You know, we'll talk in just a moment about uh, a guy they did add from the portal, but it didn't seem like Texas was was, pick, was picking and poaching as many from the portal as we as we saw a year ago, and, and I think some of that was because they knew folks were coming back. They knew that and had a good idea and a good feel that these guys would come back, DC would come back, uh, and and. We'll talk about it in just a second, but I think the makeup of this team is going to be different and it's going to be enough for Texas to really be successful. There are still some things I think that are missing, but uh, we'll talk about one of those things in just a second. But DC is a guy who can come back and play big minutes for Texas, and I think this is a good way for him to kind of tie off his NCAA career. Yeah, we'll see if there's any more bigs potentially arriving, but if not, it's going to be a lot of a lot of DC at the five, and uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, how they surround him, how many guards, what what type of size lineups they play. But if you're going to play multi-guard lineups, you got to have the guards. And Texas has quite a few of them and added another Gerald, Iowa State point guard and Big 12 freshman of the year, Tyrese Hunter, announced he was transferring from Iowa State and it became official, is a Texas Longhorn. Just a really incredible player. Depending on the publication you you read, maybe the one, maybe the two ranked player in the portal had a, had a really good freshman year as a point guard on a not very like great offensive team. Was the uh, was the man in charge with running that? Uh, very good defender. Just a, a good player that I think any team in the country would have liked to add. Uh, there's some depth in the guard position already, so that will be interesting. But I, you don't not take if you have the chance. Uh, a player with this potential who got some looks in the NBA draft last year and was thought to be a lock for a first-round pick next year. So, um, Gerald, what are you thinking about Tyrese Hunter, Texas Longhorn? I mean, again, like you like you said, he is a player that immediately makes you better, and I think he's a player who I don't know if he makes Texas better in like one of the biggest ways, which is like as a three point shooting team. I think that's still like that's still a big question for me, and and I don't necessarily know if Texas has improved enough as a perimeter shooting team uh, for me to feel like super confident. But again, if Tyrese Hunter wants to wear burnt orange and drive a dagger through a lot of Iowa State fans' hearts in the process, I'm all for it. And remember, he'll be a sophomore next year. So a lot of people have made the comparison that you just took a younger Marcus Carr, and I'm cool with that, um, especially if uh, you know he sticks around more than one year. Um, I think they lost a lot of minutes with, with Ramey and Jones and a lot of OC and knowledge from, from previous teams. Um, and so I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. There are minutes to... Uh, to go around, but I think if if Carr is moving as everyone assumes to an to an off ball two guard, then you basically have a big time freshman in Arterio Morris, uh, you know, with all the potential in the world, and a kid who did it the year before. Again, your your Big Twelve freshman of the year, especially in a Big Twelve that you know you didn't see a lot of freshman guards ball handlers last year. You saw a ton of good defense and a ton uh, of of senior players guarding ball handlers where you know that was a really really tough assignment and their offense was stagnant uh for a lot of times so he just had to hustle on defense he was elite in zone defense really great man-to-man on ball defender um there's a lot of things that i think beard likes i think you know 
defensively an upgrade from Carr. I think you know the three-point shooting, not great, but he went 7-for-11 from deep and scored 23 in that upset of LSU uh, in the opening of the tournament and then kind of led their offense and led their team in the tournament. He was he was asked to do the most. He had the highest usage rate uh, of any player uh, that's on this Texas roster or any player on Texas roster last year, right? So um, he, he's, he did a lot for that Iowa State team. Um, and ultimately, you know, uh, how we figure out the guard rotation um, if we're playing three guards on the court you know who's guarding who I think will be interesting and we'll, we'll, we'll break down as we get into it a little bit but again I go back to you just take this talent uh, especially for the long-term build you know I think he's he's a great get he's proven himself in the big 12 um, and again you have a chance to really get another fan base as livid and equally mad as the Texas Tech fans were about Kish Beard leaving. I don't know if you've been on the greater Iowa State internet, Gerald, but whoo, boy, they're mad. They are. It's like kick the hornet's nest mad about this. They are just calling him all kinds of names. He's basically a money grubber, like the official, like the journalist, the Kirk, the, the Bulls, Goldens, you know, the, the not opinion piece but big j journalists up there are talking you know about don't be mad don't don't boo him when he comes iowa state fans he just did the smart business decision and took the money from texas he was just after the money like every opinion is just salty about this and in fact uh, if you frequent ever the r college basketball reddit thread there's some tech fans joining forces with iowa state fans uh there was one i mean he has a really tragic story he was he was um lost both of his parents and was raised by his grandparents. Um, but uh, <laughs> there was a a quote, and I'll just leave this here, and there's no need to glorify anyone, but it was on that that thread where someone said, I'm, I'm glad he's an orphan for his sake because I would be embarrassed if my children acted like him in such a situation. So people are mad and awful. And just a reminder, don't be a-holes on the internet. Um, never, never a good look, and those things often live forever. There are two things I want to say. One serious and one not so serious. One, um, taking shots at somebody's parents dying is the lowest of the low. And so I think that my feelings about that particular fan base and how mad they get online uh, is very justified. And combine that with the next news we're going to talk about, a particular wide receiver leaving those fans feeling betrayed. I've got six words for you. You ready for it? Get mad, stay mad, die mad. <laughs> I I love it. I think Beard's job every offseason should be to try to rile uh, a, a fan base to the point that they are shaking mad veins popping out of their head. You saw what happened when they went back to Texas Tech. I mean, Lubbock fans I, I, just frothing at the mouth uh, angry. I mean, it didn't go Texas' way, unfortunately, in the basketball portion. But yeah, I, I love it. Uh, if we're going out of the Big 12, let's make them so just unspeakably mad they cannot... Uh, contain themselves. Let's do that. And so how do you do that? Well, you take their coaches and you take their players, I guess, in multiple sports, because that's right. Wide receiver Tariq Milton announced he's transferring from Iowa State, um, a, a player who's given Texas fits in the past, a really um, speed player. You know what Sarkeesian likes. He's been a, a good uh, punt returner in the past. I think he had like a 50-yard punt return against Texas uh, back as a freshman or sophomore. You know, he's, he's had some big catches, averages, uh, well into the 16 yard per catch mark, you know, just a, a big play threat 
over the top, was really had a breakout year is I think sophomore, junior year, uh, 2020 basically, but had uh, some injuries. And so a, a player who I think fits in, gives you another threat, can come in as a, another receiver, can fill some, some depth issues, can, if someone gets hurt, you know, can, can be serviceable as a lot of Big 12 experience. I've, I've talked about it on the round table at BON. You know, when you, when you think about like Texas's wide receiver room coming into the offseason and Texas's wide receiver room now, I was way more concerned about raising the floor than I was the ceiling. And like a guy like Jordan Addison raises the ceiling pretty significantly, but the floor was my bigger concern. And so adding guys like Milton, adding guys like Hall, adding guys like Nayor, like those are the types of guys who keep the bottom from falling out of it because Jordan Winnington and Xavier Worthy, they've got already pretty high ceilings. We've seen what Worthy's ceiling is. We've seen that Winnington's ceiling, he's a third down monster. He is Wes Welker with dreads on a third down if, if he's healthy. And so, like, <laughs> the the ceiling is already pretty solid. But when Winnington got hurt last year, we saw the floor drop out pretty significantly. And that coincided with Texas going on that six-game skid. And... So adding a guy like Milton, who's a proven body and upperclassman, he has battled injuries, like you said, but like again, adding more bodies of players that can make plays, especially fast ones, that's a way bigger win for me than, than adding a guy who, who raises the ceiling, takes you from a two-story to a three-story house. Yeah, I like that a lot. And again, it, it also makes fans very, very mad uh, from opposing schools when you have transfers within the conference. So uh, keep them coming. I like it. If you're going to just poach somebody, uh, you know, make it a guy who's done it in the Big 12 before and has beaten Big 12 defenses and, and get their fans all booey and angry. Uh, I, I don't hate that whatsoever. Um, now, a player that I don't think necessarily their fan base will be booing us, but uh, you never know. Um, but uh, hailing from uh, a different uh, program different level actually James Madison linebacker uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey DTD here hence to forth uh, announced his transfer to Texas and FCS All-American redshirt junior a little um, maybe smaller than than some people would would like our linebackers to all be but I think a guy who plays every bit of his size and then some 510 214 um uh, just a just a wrecking ball a guy who can drop back in coverage a guy who um should be a relatively plug and play uh will side linebacker can can track running backs can make interceptions can can just soak up hundreds of tackles just a, a player who um i think in, a, in our biggest position of need or or you know one a one b depending how you view offensive line uh that you know i i think is a really good take this gives texas a little bit more versatility what they're going to do at linebacker texas needed some help at linebacker um and again he's a guy who allows demarvin overshone to do some more things and to play a little bit more multiple and to kind of be uh a little rogue when he's your only good linebacker on the field for lack of a better term like it's tough to be as multiple as Texas wants to be, especially mm. with Gary Patterson uh, there adding his perspective to it. So letting him get closer to the line and that allows you to, to hopefully mask some of your edge rushing issues. This gives you a little bit more of a, of a Swiss army look at that linebacker position. Whereas uh, in the past overshone would have to be the do everything guy. Yeah. Dropping Dio down, especially on third down is a, is an edge rusher could be really interesting. Uh, two and a half sacks, 116 tackles, nine tackle for loss. Uh, from DTD last year. Maybe he'll have a couple sacks himself. I don't hate that. Four interceptions as well, an All-American at the FCS level. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with, with you, Gerald, that um, if – if I'm Gary Patterson, I'm I'm Coach Choate, I'm I'm Coach K. 
and I'm looking at our defense and I'm saying, you know, can we win in, in basically the three areas, uh, key uh, chaos areas um, along the spine? Can we win on the line and especially on the edge? Can we get that pressure? Can we set the edge and fill uh, runs with our linebackers and track backs, uh, good backs in the Big 12 also in the passing game? And can our safeties be, you know, be both cover and uh, make tackles when need be, but also, you know, uh, shut down really good Big 12 offenses? Can can at each of those three levels on the edge, um, kind of the single players who can be a single point of failure, can they be plus in all of those? And if they can, they don't have to be all American in all three of those, but if they can be plus in each of those, I think they, you know, that's how this defense moves up from not great to at least good. And we'll see what the ceiling truly is, but uh, adding another piece to that, Feels good. All right, Joe, last football item out of conference football game times announced week one on the Longhorn Network. University of Louisiana Monroe announced. You you asked for them, folks. We got them. 7 p.m. September games. That's right. Week one, the game you've all been looking forward to. ULM will be at 7 p.m. Week two, they're playing, uh, is that a direction? Oh, Alabama. That's right, Alabama. They're playing Alabama week two. That'll be... At 11 a.m. Uh, on Fox and week three, uh, UTSA back on the Longhorn Network, but at primetime, 7 p.m. Uh, under the lights uh, for game three. So out of conference, all uh, announced. Joe, what are your thoughts? I think it's wild that Texas has 66% of its non-conference games on LHN. I don't even know how to feel about that. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe there's an influx of, of Spectrum or U-verse clients because texas upsets bama week two that would be the that would be the wildest thing in the world is, is if <laughs> texas upsets bama and then pe- there's an influx of people trying to get a one week subscription to youtube tv or whatever they need to watch lhn live uh password sharing gone mad that week three game if texas manages to do the unthinkable week two yeah it, it we, we know that alabama caused the curse uh of the downfall of texas football when they broke colt mccoy and they broke us so i guess the only way to uh to fix it is in the actual witch's cauldron at 11 a.m. when it's hot as uh, if it's you know 97 degrees outside that means it's 118,000 uh, on the field uh, and I guess that's that's where the blood sacrifices will have to be made to to end the curse get it back in blood <laughs> finally I guess one football uh, quasi football related here uh, we have a potential a uh, new name for the podcast, maybe a new name for that football stadium we just mem- mentioned. Uh, Ricky Williams, legal name always Eric uh, Williams, but gone by Ricky as we've known him, is legally changing his last name uh, to Miron, I think is how you say it, Miron, uh, to take his his wife's last name. So a lot of news articles showed he's changing to Eric Marone, but again... Eric has always been his legal name. Ricky's been what we've called him. Uh, but I am curious, Gerald. We have a field named after him. Do, 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 are we going to have a new new field name next year? Yeah, I don't I don't know because he's not Williams anymore. Like, that's a weird situation. I'm glad I'm not Chris Del Conte, I guess, is the, the only thing I can say there. <laughs> For the first time ever, I'm glad I'm not Chris Del Conte. Otherwise, I envy his job and his life every single day. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, th- th- that will be an interesting one. Uh, I, you know. There was Run Ricky Run documentaries. He's he's been all over. He's a businessman. He's uh, been on the Longhorn Network, and we've known him both as college NFL and a post career as Ricky Williams. But now it is Eric uh, Mirren. Uh, so yeah, I'd be very curious to see how that one plays out. It'd be funnier if we married Her- Helen Mirren. I think that'd be great. 
<laughs> Ricky seems like the guy who would though. Like he's such an intellectual. Like as you learn more about him, he's so so interesting. Um, I, I I could see. I could see him really just finding Dame Helen Mirren uh, to have a beautiful mind. And I, you know, that would be fun. Um, but no, Ricky, Ricky, he'll always be a favorite. Whatever we're supposed to call you, I'll call you. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll call you one of my favorites, too. Uh, a final note here in this section, Cody Clemens called up for the Detroit Tigers. In a, in a week of home runs, we talked about Melendez breaking. Don't forget, Cody Clemens is on that top I think three, top four, uh, all-time seasons with his uh, Omaha uh, field uh, run and his his home run performance. So uh, good to see him making it up in that Tigers organization, getting called up another Longhorn in the majors. Gonna rock his dad's number in the debut. I was talking to somebody earlier this week uh, about the epic horns down that, that the OU pitcher gave in the Big 12 championship game. And like, I never get bent out of shape about those things, and I referred back to uh, Cody Clemens staring down opposing uh, dugouts after they did the horns down when he just blasted one over the wall. Those are always my favorite moments. So, like, that's why college sports are great. Guys like Cody Clemens just being petty and, and letting them swing. That was an absolute legendary one, and, and I think, uh, you know, you, you – I just love the curse. You could do the horn sound, but just know if you end up losing in that game, you will become a meme on Longhorn Twitter. You saw the Arkansas uh, softball player learn that uh, last week. So, uh, but yes, Clemens uh, trot and stare down was was epic. One final one, Gerald. I just wanted to throw this out there. There was a at least one Longhorn. I, I don't know if I, I hope I'm not missing any others who did, but uh, Chris Boyd, former uh, University of Texas football player, uh, started to GoFundMe to raise money for uh, the families of Uvalde. I think he set a $100,000 goal, ended up raising uh, about 30000 uh, I don't have the exact number here in front of me, but um, you know, has raised quite a bit there. I don't know his exact uh, plan listed for how he's working to get uh, all of that. But he did say there'll be all the money will be sent directly to the, uh, the families that were in uh, part of the absolute tragedy and it robbed elementary in Uvalde, Texas. So glad to see Longhorns continuing to be active in their communities, even if they're not living in Texas at the time, as he's in Minnesota, but uh, staying plugged in with the greater Texas landscape. And our thoughts and prayers and horns up are, of course, with every person affected uh, through that tragedy and uh, just having the trauma of watching it and thinking about it and hugging your your kids and sending them to school. And and, um, we're all not okay, and it's okay to not be okay. Seeing people actually take action when something like this happens, good feeling. Absolutely. All right. So a happier note to end us out on, Gerald. Let's talk a little Godzilla Tron. Gerald, what are you watching on your giant screen? Uh, so I was traveling for work last week, so I didn't do a ton of watching. Played a little Switch on the airplane, Legend of Zelda games obviously always hold up in a handheld format. Uh, polished off an audiobook. I'm like late to the game, but I I, re- I listened to uh, the first Mistborn book. It's Brandon Sanderson, kind of uh, not necessarily high fantasy, but it's an interesting fantasy uh, world that he paints. And Brandon Sanderson is like the most prolific fantasy author in modern times. So like he's finished like three series between George R. R. Martin getting. Game of Thrones books out, so uh, if that's your thing, enjoy it. And then we did start Stranger Things, kind of the first half of the final season. Uh, It is a very slow watch for us because 
Um, my wife does not do horror, and it is very scary. Um, so if that's not again, we're very invested in Stranger Things, and I like um, I like well done horror. That's like also kind of commentary ish. It's why I like the original Scream movie. That's why I like other things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's good. It's really well done, high, high production value. But again, very very scary. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm much like your wife on this one. I don't do horror. Never. Not at all. I watched season one of Stranger Things, and I always meant to go back and watch the others, but it's just like, I was good with that. It was a great show. I'm done. I'm going to close it before it gets any scarier, and it sounds like it it, it has. Uh, Gerald, I uh, I know you have been watching up to this point. I don't want to talk about it. just wanted to say I've been watching Top Chef, and uh, oh, man, it's it's getting down to the to the nitty gritty it's the final three if you're not caught up i won't talk about any details on this podcast um but you know i know gerald and i both watch and love that um i am moving uh wherever downton abbey is moving because it's last day of netflix is may 31st um so uh, wife and i are, are trying to figure out where to continue watching as we uh have the the last couple seasons we've made it we're in season three so we're gonna have to follow the migration uh there and then uh i recently started listening to it's a couple years old because i listened to the first season i believe there are new episodes of this but i am uh maybe in the 2018 realm i think is when the season one came out of michael lewis's uh against the rules podcast uh, again if you're not uh, familiar with michael lewis he is a uh famed writer i think is an easy way to put it um if you're listening to this podcast you probably like sports and so you're probably familiar with some of his um novels that have a a sports kind of base and and have re um shaken the ground of of how we think about finance and sports right moneyball um i think is the seminal one he has some some just huge smash hits liars poker about the stock market um he wrote blindside as well right which was made into a film and then kind of from there it's He's all of his books have become films. The Big Short. Um, he's had a couple others that I'm probably uh, forgetting. Flash Boys uh, and Doing Project, which was great. Um, anyway, so a, a a great writer, but has become a um, a podcaster. And his first uh, season was about. And I haven't watched any any or listened to any additional ones, but uh, so I'm speaking maybe of season one of Against the Rules um, was about the death of the Amer- of the referee in American life, and it's uh, it starts with sports referee and then goes into, you know, financial referees and, um, you know, litigious, litigious, litigious referees, judges, litigators, mediators, right? Um, So interesting, and he said, you know, uh, he had a podcast afterwards talking about his process. He said he could have easily had 15 different episodes about the different referees in our life and how there's basically just been this eroding and, 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 um, talks about what type of person becomes a referee and and why you know we're so mean and awful to our referees and why no one wants to be a referee um but it was just really really interesting um i thought it was a really well done really worthwhile idea to explore and to think about and um to kind of listen to and uh, we are in a society that both with our sports uh, and life uh, has seen an erosion of our referees those people who are the arbiters of fair uh, so an interesting an interesting uh, listen for sure I'd recommend it well uh, I'll, I'll definitely have to check it out I'm always looking for more podcasts to listen to gotta sharpen my tool set that's all we've got for you this week Kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm 
at Kyle Corbin. You can also follow the Texas Pre Gamer at Texas Pre Gamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow us on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, Longhorn Republic Pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook up. Hook up. Stay salty, other fans. Mm-hmm.